Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're in Joshua chapter 2, going through the book of Joshua. We've already seen uh, Joshua commissioned by the Lord uh, as a leader in chapter 1. And some of the important points that the Lord makes to Joshua as far as keeping uh, his law, meditating on it day and night. And we also saw Joshua at the end of chapter 1 going to uh, the two and a half tribes who have settled across the Jordan River on the eastern side in the Transjordan and saying to them, all right, it's time. I need you to send me all of your fighting men. We're marching into the land of Canaan, going to war. Uh, this is what you promised. Make good on your promise. And the two and a half tribes uh, uh, tell Joshua, yes, we'll go with you. Uh, um, only be uh, sure to... Um, uh, adhere to the law, and uh, uh, may the Lord your God be with you just as he was with Moses. So when we come to Joshua chapter 2, uh, this is the story of Joshua sending the two spies out into the land. They come to Jericho and all the events that occur uh, at the uh, house of Rahab, uh, the prostitute. Uh, let's pray as we begin, and we'll go through uh, chapter 2 together. Father in heaven, we ask that you would bless our time together today as we study through Joshua chapter 2 and give us insight into its application for our day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone loves a good spy story. Uh, and one, uh, a couple of spies uh, that are prominent in uh, the modern era, the first would be uh, an individual by the name of Nelson Gluick. Gluick uh, was both an archaeologist and a spy during the World War II era. He surveyed uh, in the Sinai Peninsula, the southern area of Israel called the Negev, the Jordan Rift Valley along the Jordan River, the areas of Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Uh, he worked for the U.S. Office of Strategic Services. This was actually the predecessor to the CIA uh, to determine possible water sources and potential escape routes for the Allied forces if the Germans were victorious in Northern Africa and then continued along and invaded Palestine. Later, he would become the president of uh, Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, Ohio. But as he was excavating these different areas uh, in the land of Israel, he was also keeping an eye out for good water sources uh, and other things as well. Another famous Israeli spy was a, a man by the name of Eli Kohen. Uh, before the Six-Day War in Israel, he operated in the region of Syria in the north under the guise of an Argentinian-Syrian businessman. He would have parties uh, for top Syrian governmental officials at his home, and uh, he would, of course, be uh, pretending to be having a good time and listening to them uh, as they were having a good time, and they would get a little loose and spill their military secrets. So he is most famous for uh, his trip through the Golan Heights in northern Israel, where he visited military bases with these Syrian officials. The officials showed off all of their military fortifications, and Cohen, in disguise uh, as, a, as this 
Argentinian businessmen suggested that they plant eucalyptus trees around the areas of these bases for shade for the men and to hide them from the sight of the Israelis. Well, eucalyptus trees are very distinguishable from the air. So he shared this information with the Israelis and allowed them during the Six-Day War in 1967, uh, Israel was able to take possession of the Golan Heights in an uh, impossibly short amount of time because they knew exactly where to look for all of these military bases. They had these wonderful eucalyptus trees planted all around them. Everybody loves a good spy story, and the Israelis have been spying for thousands of years. In our passage in Joshua chapter 2, we see two unnamed spies sent out to search through the land around Jericho and the city of Jericho as the nation of Israel prepares for war. And uh, although they are not very good at what they do, they're uncovered pretty quickly. <laughs> they enlist the help of uh, a uh, prostitute from Jericho who gives them great insight into what the people are thinking. So we're going to look at the first several verses of Joshua chapter 2 and start reading in verse 1. Then Joshua the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim. Shittim is on the eastern side of the Jordan River where the people of Israel are encamped, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, uh, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the, man, where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as uh, those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. So we're looking at these first several verses. What exactly is going on here? Well, first of all, I think we can see Joshua in verse 1 sending out these two spies. He's really following the example that he's been given uh, by Moses. Moses uh, sent out two spies about 38 years earlier, when the people of Israel had come out of Egypt, they had come through the Sinai Peninsula and were encamped on the southern edge of the land of Canaan. And he sent out 12 spies uh, from Kedesh Barnea to go all throughout the land. And we know the story. Ten of the spies came back with a, with a negative report. There's no way that we can conquer this land. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a positive report. So here, I think Joshua is sort of following that example of Moses to some degree and sending these spies out. And the two men are told to spy, uh, view the land, especially the city of Jericho. That was going to be the first uh, area that they would attack 
during the conquest of the land of Canaan. You know, many of the things we do in life are learned from the leaders we follow, whether we're really conscious of them or not. I think Joshua learned uh, to spy out and some of his military strategies from uh, his leader, from Moses, and, and he's doing what Moses had done here. Uh, so we should be conscious of the areas uh, that we are learning uh, from the people that we uh, follow and are watching, and also realize that people are always watching us, whether we are explicitly discipling or teaching them, or whether we are just spending time with another person. We're always instructing in some way, shape, or form. Well, the men make their way here in verse 2 uh, to the house of Rahab, uh, who is a prostitute, a harlot. Now, I don't think we need to read too much into what's going on here. Sometimes some people want to say, well, why were these two uh, Israelite spies going to this location? Maybe they wanted to have a good time or something for themselves. But I think Bible scholar Richard Hess is really right here when he argues that the author of the book of Joshua goes out of his way to avoid insinuating that the two spies were there to partake of Rahab's vocation in any way, shape, or form. They were th not there for pleasure or gratification, but in an attempt to be inconspicuous. This is what Hess says in his commentary. This house was more likely a tavern, hostel, or way station, which could be used by visitors than a brothel. There's evidence for such overnight places of accommodations, and they're used by traveling caravans and royal messengers in Canaan of the 14th to 12th centuries BC, right in the area where uh, the Israelites would have been coming into the land of, of Canaan. So probably this house was more of a, a cheap hotel for people who were coming through to be able to stay here uh, than anything more than that. And the author, I think Hess is right when he says, uh, doesn't imply that anything uh, uh, is going on here other than the important points that are being made. Well, when we come to verse 2, we see that the king of Jericho hears. So their cover is, is instantly blown uh, when they come into the city of Jericho. Jericho would have functioned really as its own uh, little city-state at this time. The ruler of the city, the city official, the city governor, would have been called the king. So the king of Jericho is told the report about these spies coming in. And as we will see a little bit later on in this chapter, there's other, there are other things going on here. He knows something about the people of Israel. Uh, the king is told the report of these spies, and he sends for Rahab uh, in verse 3, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. So in verses 4 and 5, uh, Rahab goes to the king and uh, actually lies to the king repeatedly several times over. Uh, verse, verse 4, uh, she says, uh, but the woman uh, had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Well, we'll find out in a little bit. She knew exactly where they were from. And it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Well, she knew exactly where the men were. They were up on the roof of her house where she had hidden them. 
uh, pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. So she is uh, deceiving the ruler of Jericho here. Now, whether or not that is uh, a right action, we're going to talk about in just a minute. Uh, but she attempts to lead the king and the rulers of Jericho in another direction. And then in verses six and seven, it says, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. So the question comes up in this account was what Rahab did justified? In other words, was it right for her to lie repeatedly to the king of Jericho in order to protect these men? Doesn't uh, this argue, this passage, that her lying to the king of Jericho was actually a, a good thing, a righteous thing? And uh, we need to bring in what the author of Hebrews says here, Hebrews chapter 11, when he talks about Rahab as a person of faith. Doesn't the author of Hebrews seem to imply this as well? Well, a couple of points. Uh, I would say very strongly here, her lie is not condoned or justified either in this book or in the book of Hebrews. The author of the book of Joshua is presenting what occurred without necessarily commenting on the issues of the morality uh, behind the events here. To say that she had to lie in order to protect the spies presumes a knowledge base that we simply do not possess. What we would have to know is exactly what would have occurred in all potential situations uh, in which she would not have lied uh, to understand without a shadow of a doubt that she would have had to lie. Uh, we would have needed to possess uh, knowledge of what, what could have potentially taken place, but our knowledge of the potential is limited and finite. She did not need to lie in order to save their lives. And I think this point is very important. God could have saved them even if she had told the truth. He could have supernaturally empowered them to fight back against the king of Jericho and his men if she had told the truth. Uh, so the, the uh, book of Joshua does not present this as something that needed to be done, but just the way that the events occurred. We'll spend more time on this again uh, next time. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.